on the line we actually have a Johnny Warren medalist, A-League all-time leading goal scorer, World Cup player. These are just some of the achievements of the man that we have online, Shane Smeltz from Perth Glory FC. How are you, Shane? I'm very well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Firstly, let's discuss Friday night. It was a 3-0 victory over the Melbourne Heart in front of your home fans at NRB Stadium. Uh, it was a brilliant atmosphere. You're coming off the bench and scoring um, two goals to, to contribute to those important three points. Um, walk us through those two strikes and what that will do for your confidence going forward. Yeah, look, firstly, I think it's it's um, you know it's a great position we're in at the moment. I think we've we've started to build some momentum over the last few weeks, and um, you know that was an example of that uh, on Friday night. It was you know it was a it's it's great to play these night games at home, and you know we've got another one coming up and. Uh, hopefully we can get another good crowd for that and build from there. But um, yeah, going back to that game, I think it's you know we were one 0 up. Obviously Adrian Zara scored a fantastic goal to to put us in the lead, and and uh, I was I was pleased to come on. Obviously knowing we were we were winning, and uh, hopefully we could get another one. So that was the aim, and and to obviously score two goals was um, you know obviously I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, we've seen one of the tactical trends in Europe has been some of the big clubs rekindling the old-fashioned strike partnership in favour of a sole centre-forward in a 4-2-3-1 sort of formation. So over your career, you've shown the ability to score in, in any setup. So I wanted to ask you if you thought the tactical approach of playing with a, a strike partnership was, was better than playing with a, a sole centre-forward, or what has worked over your career in the different setups you've been in? Yeah, I know what you mean. I think I think it tends to it comes down to what sort of players you've got and what attributes they've got as well. Um, you know, you, you look nowadays most most teams do go with the the one up front or, or the three across the front if you like, and with the two wide players. But um, you know, that comes it comes down to their movement and how good they are at holding the ball up, and and obviously the, the wide players getting in the box as well. But uh, yeah, you do see a few teams starting to resort back to possibly two up front. Um, and, and that's, you know, I think that's worked well down the years with teams. And, and once again, what, depends what players you've got. So, you know, if you've got a, a big guy who's good at holding her up and then you've got a, a maybe a slightly smaller striker that's that's nippy and can get around him, you know, it can work well. But um, and I think you see teams tend to maybe, you know, if you're chasing a game, they can, they can resort to, to putting two up front. Um, so there's, there's obviously different things you can do uh, going forward. But... Um, it all comes down to, the, to what the coach wants at the end of the day. Yeah, most certainly. And that's uh, Kenny Lowe at the moment, who's doing a fantastic job. Uh, we wanted to touch on um, 2014 right now. It's a World Cup year, and, and the World Cup of 2010 would undoubtedly be a ha- highlight for you after scoring the goal against um, Italy in Nelspruit and also the, the fantastic setup of Winston Reid's equaliser in Rustenburg. Uh, I wanted to touch upon a particular instrument, the Vuvuzela. So mm-hmm. I, I was actually in the stadium for a few of the games, and they were really, uh, it was fantastic to be a part of um, that whole that whole atmosphere but um, on the tv there was a lot of complaints how about as a player was it distracting at, at any um, level i think by the time by the time we had gotten to the world cup and maybe this was something that worked in our favor we we were quite used to it i think we we played the year before um uh, 2009 confederations cup in south africa again so we, you know they were they had the vuvuzelas there um even even at some of the training sessions, you know, we go to an open training session sometimes, and and they have them in the crowds there. And you only need a few of these vuvuzelas around the stadium, and you, you can't hear each other. So uh, by the time we got to the to the main games of the World Cup, we were we were quite used to it. We actually, I think we you know we we, we quite liked it. Um, and yeah, so it probably it probably worked in our favour in a little bit. But 
certainly certainly was loud and certainly was different. Um, you know, you, you don't really see that in too many places around the world, but uh, it, it was certainly a different experience, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and I remember the American fans were actually f- chugging and funneling beer from it, so they uh, they definitely <laughs> embraced it as well. But out of interest, which of the Italy, Paraguay and Slovakia players got to sh- swap their jerseys with you? Uh, I got... Um, I managed to swap with uh, Cannavaro after the Italian game. That was obviously his main one. Um, I got... Uh, who did I get? I can't even remember the other ones I got. Um, but, yeah, obviously, look, it's fantastic to to play in those games and then and then you, you swap jerseys and, uh, you know, it's something you take back home and you're always going to remember, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, the the All-Whites and Mexico playoffs, now looking, looking at uh, the current day, now they've been discussed at quite some length, but one positive was the... The fact that you had the opportunity to play at the Azteca Stadium in Mexico City, the only stadium to host two FIFA World Cup finals and numerous historic moments such as the, the Hand of God for Maradona. So it's uh, traditionally an intimidating fortress for a lot of the away teams. Um, how was that for the All-Whites? Walk us through that experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we quite um, you know, understood that you know, everyone knows about the Azteca and the history of it, but actually going there and experience it was, was on a, you know, a different level, I think. Once we got to the stadium, you know, you, we had, I think we had the, the training run the night before on the stadium, um, and that's with no one in it. You know, everyone was buzzing about how how good this stadium was, and um, you know, just arriving, you arrive on the bus, and you've got the buses can't actually pull up like a traditional stadium these days. You actually pull up outside the stadium, and you have to walk through almost like some tunnels to get to get to the change rooms, and mm. along these tunnels, we've got you know all the memorabilia of some of the games that have been played there and um, you just you just really go up the history that's been on at this, at this stadium and um, you know it's I guess it's something something special to, to play that stadium and uh, you know we're obviously pretty pr- proud that we did that yeah, following those matches, a lot of the discussion centred upon the, the future of New Zealand within the OFC, and Ricky Herbert was one to, to really come out. He's the outgoing coach of the time, but um, there, there was a similar debate that went on over here in Australia regarding um, our movement from, from the OFC to the AFC. Uh, those, this is a tough question because it involves the murky world of uh, football politics, but on the field, do you think the long-term growth can be achieved within uh, the AFC, or is, would it be the OFC for New Zealand football? Yeah, I think it's it's something that's been discussed for a, for a number of years now. Um, even I think leading up to our last campaign, it was it was a discussion then. So uh, I think for the long term, it's it's something that probably should happen. Um, you know, I think we've got enough players now that are playing overseas. Some young, a lot of young guys coming through. We've, so we've, our depth has really grown, um, and I think it's it would be valuable for obviously these players to be playing more regular games um, home and away in, in Asia uh, and obviously it'll mean they get back to the country a lot more and um, you know I, I think financially for the for the TV rights and a whole bunch of reasons so I think it's, it's probably viable for, to go into into Asia but um, you know I, I guess you know who makes these decisions and, and when they'll be made you know I guess we, we won't know for a little while. Uh, before we do have to let you go, we've got a few fan questions that have come in. Uh, first one's from John Ellison, a Perth Glory member who lives in Singapore at the moment, uh, and he's listening via web radio. The first first one is, uh, what has been your favourite A-League goal in your career? Uh, my favourite A-League goal? It's, um, I think uh, it's a tough one. I, I, I tossed it up probably between... Uh, there was the one I scored for, for Wellington actually got goal of the year. Um, 
was against against Melbourne Victory, uh, where I beat a few players and, and put it in the top corner. So that one got goal of the year, which was which was obviously nice. And then I think uh, one of my favourite, probably my favourite strike was uh, for I think it was Gold Coast against Adelaide in, in the in one of the finals games. Um, I just yeah probably probably just sweet as I hit a ball and, and went into the top corner as well. So. They're probably two of my favourites. Yeah, brilliant. And we must be honest, because there's a lot of goals to remember too. So uh, we got uh, Matt Stephen in in Bentley, who says, uh, who is the toughest defensive opponent you've ever faced? Um, uh, is, it, is this in the A-League or around the um, world? Around the world. Um, around the world, yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to play against some some world-class teams. I think we, you know we played against the, the Spanish team in 2009 and 10 when they were they were flying, and um, uh, obviously against Italy. So probably it's probably some of those defenders. You know, the likes of Cannavaro, the likes of Cuyol. Um Yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them to be honest. And um, we'll we'll get back onto the glory right at the moment and current day football. Do you have been through a lot of injuries recently? For the younger listeners who are playing the game and um, who who want a career in the game, uh, injuries are an inevitable part of football. But how do you actually go through it? What's your mindset in the sports rehab so you can come back like you did on Friday night and score goals successfully? Yeah, I think I think that's the key is to to obviously firstly be strong in the mind. Um, I think like you said, no matter what, what age you are, whether you're young or, or older, later in your career, you, you're going to experience injuries at some stage. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go probably four or five years before that little run of injuries I had, um, you know, without an injury. So I, I don't think I missed a game in four years. So um, a lot of players don't get to experience that as well. Um, but, yeah, look, it's it's one of those things. I mean, we even look at the club now. You've got young Josh Riston who's probably gone through his first uh, a bit of an injury, three months, a little operation, and it's, it's how everyone comes back through it. Um, same as Jamison, you know, he's he's a strong character and he's going to be fine. And it's just a matter of knowing what you need to do to get back um, and making sure you follow through with it, and uh, and uh, really believing that you'll get back to your best when you when you do come back. Uh, Shane Smeltz, thank you so much for joining us on Beyond Extra Time. Appreciate that, guys. Thanks a lot. No worries. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Shane Smeltz from Perk Laurie FC, also a, a superstar of international football for the New Zealand All Whites.